Hi, folks. It's Rabbi Sharon Brouse here. You are listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our guest speakers, our teachers, anything we think worth listening to that we can capture, you can hear right here. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm so excited to share with you the voice of a teacher and friend of mine this morning um, before we go to the Torah service who will share some words of Torah. I'm very excited to introduce to you Rabbi Michael Adam Latz. Um, Rabbi Latz, who often joins us on Shabbat, but um, but joins us invisibly, is now visible to our community this morning. He's the senior rabbi of Shir Tikva in Minneapolis, where he's been for about 12 years. Um, I met Rabbi Latz, I think, 10 years ago now when I spoke as a scholar in residence in his shul. And we became fast friends and, um, and partners in the work. Um, rabbi Latz is well known for having transformed his community into a truly vibrant, vital center for Jewish life in Minneapolis. And he has stood on the front lines of the fight for justice in Minneapolis and around the country. He is passionate and he is wise and he's humble and he's brave. And he is so deeply committed to Jewish life that he will often come to two Shabbat morning services a week. Um, and uh, we love that you're hanging with us here, Eddie Carr, even after you preach um, and teach your heart out on the home front. I'm so honored to call you a friend and a teacher of mine. Um, Rabbi Latz was a few blocks away from what's now known as George Floyd Square on May 25th, 2020, when he was out for a walk with his beloved husband, Michael. They heard sirens. They only later learned what had transpired in that place. Um, and Rabbi Latz has returned to that site again and again over the course of the last year, standing in deep partnership with the Black community and working for justice for George Floyd. And um, after the verdict came down this week, I felt it would be an incredible honor for our community to have Rabbi Latz with us here this morning to offer his view from George Floyd Square. So Rabbi Latz, I turn it to you. Thank you, Rabbi Browse, and thank you to the whole community. Um, I'll just say that while your lead rabbi is uh, fiery and passionate in public. She is equally tender and kind and generous as a friend when nobody's watching. And um, I am deeply, deeply grateful for her friendship. These years, I wanna thank Melissa and your whole team. Um, it's beautiful to be with you. Tuesday night, I got home from what I believe was my 100th visit in the past year to George Floyd Memorial Square at 38th in Chicago here in Minneapolis. I live 13 blocks from where Mr. Floyd, our neighbor, was murdered. This is my neighborhood. These are my neighbors. I call George Floyd my neighbor because he was. I did not know him personally, but we inhabited the same city, shopped at the same stores, drove on the same roads, he was my neighbor. In our Parsha this week, we read those exquisite three words, to love our neighbors as ourselves. These words are literally, this Parsha is literally the portion of Torah at the very center, the very heart of our Torah. And this mitzvah, this commandment, is the very heart of Torah. There are a lot of reasons why these words are at the center of our most sacred text, Ve'ahafla Recha Kamocha. 
I'm only on a, only going to offer them two because I know Liam has some important Torah he needs to share, and I don't want you here until Shmini Atzeret. First, we place things in the middle to protect them. Think about how herds of animals protect their young by surrounding them. We know how precious these words are, how central this commandment to love is. So we enclose it, we encase it with the other words in order to protect them because they're so very precious to us. The other reason, of course, is that this is the heart of the religious enterprise. Be loving to your neighbors, says the divine, all the rest is commentary. Go and study, go and make it real. And so for nearly 12 months, I've gone to bed each night asking myself, asking myself, how might our world have looked differently if we had placed Mr. Floyd at the center of our community? If we had loved and protected his life as precious? How would Dante Wright, Zichronal Livracha's story be different? Brianna Taylor's, Ahmed Aubrey's, Makia Bryant. What will it take for us to do so in the future? Tuesday night, following the guilty verdict of the police officer who murdered Mr. Floyd, thousands of us attended an interfaith vigil in George Floyd Memorial Square. In the place where last May, we witnessed the worst of humanity choke the life out of Mr. Floyd, Tuesday night, we saw a glimpse of the best, a multiracial, multi-faith, multi-generation sea of humanity, weeping, praising, praying, challenging, supporting, loving each other fiercely. Black, brown, native, immigrant, undocumented, Asian, Latine, Muslim, Jewish, Sikh, Christian, Unitarian, Baha'i, Buddhist, young, old, middle-aged, queer, those with disabilities all present. We heard cries and song, psalms and wailing. We recited Mourner's Kaddish for our neighbor. We stood in silent vigil for nine minutes and 29 seconds. It is not enough. A guilty ver verdict is not enough. It will never be enough. Mr. Floyd should be reading stories to his daughter Gianna today, not being mourned. Tuesday night, we came together with busted relief and raspy joy, overwhelming grief, and perhaps, perhaps a glimpse of hope because 12 people believed what they saw that George Floyd's heart was not too big. Derek Chauvin's was too small. I share this with you because I need you, members of this ECAR community, to know firsthand what it's like here. I want you to be part of the neighborhood we're building here. I need us to see each other as neighbors. Amidst the headlines and the sound bites and punditry, an extraordinary movement is being birthed. In Minneapolis and in Brooklyn Center where Dante Wright was murdered by police two weeks ago tomorrow, people have come together 
in exquisite mutual aid and communal support, free clothing for those in need, the creation of public art, a memorial space and artistic installation for all those killed by Minnesota police in the last 50 years, space for prayer and contemplation, meditation tents, doctors and nurses offering medical care, job coaches working with people to find employment, two middle school students showed up on Wednesday night with their laptops and signed up over 70 people for their COVID vaccines. Prophetic activists of every age with bullhorns demanding that the state re-envision public safety, address systemic racism and police violence and make reparations. Free food and water and diapers for those in need. It's a holy and a glorious, a vibrant and a radical a beautiful place of moral imagination and soul and tears and overwhelming grief and suffering and hope, all at the same time, all in the same place. I understand that firebomb buildings make for headlines and clickbait and are far more sensational than a community coming together to care for each other. And yes, it's true. There was tremendous damage done to buildings here in the Twin Cities during the uprising last summer. Some of it was perpetrated by protesters, much of it perpetrated by white nationalists. That's a heartbreaking part of our story. And I also want you to know this extraordinary story of human dignity and compassion and love. To bear witness each day to Kamocha in such vivid and vibrant color, day after day after day, in the 100 degree humidity in June and in the negative 30 degree cold in January. To stand in the place of murderous violence where people are now responding repeatedly with generosity, compassion and love. I wish I could find the words for you to describe the beauty and the pain, the hope and the love I see here each day. Next to the birth of my children, I'm not certain I've ever witnessed something so beautiful, so awesome and so life altering. Mr. Floyd should be alive today. I didn't know him in life. In his memory, I'm profoundly grateful to be part of a community striving to grieve a world that is dying and dream together a new world into being. I pray that the murderer's conviction signals the beginning of a new era, a new era where we transform the platitude of every person being created but Selim Elohim in God's image. We transform that into robust daily practice and into the cornerstone of our social policy moral priority, and political commitments. Shabbat Shalom. Hey, everybody. Randy Sklar here. I'm an eCar member. And Jason Sklar here. I'm an eCar fan. Yeah, and we uh, love eCar so much. We love the message that eCar uh, delivers in their many podcasts. And we feel like most people feel there aren't a lot of podcasts in this world. I think there are only two or three. There's only a couple. So what we'd like you to do is donate to eCar at ecar-la.org uh, so that they can do more podcasts and more cool things because Lord knows the world needs more podcasts. Yep.